Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and welcome to this episode with Amara Charles. And before I introduce Amara, I am very excited to share that I've been shortlisted in two categories at the UK Independent Podcast Awards. So I'm heading up to London on October the 30th with Graham, which I'm very excited about. And if you haven't already, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd so appreciate it if you could follow or subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple, or write a short review on Apple. It also really helps to spread the word about the podcast so people can find it organically as well. And if you've already done that, thank you, thank you, thank you. And introducing Amara Charles. Amara has been in the relationship sphere for 30 years working with couples and individuals as well. And in this episode, we talk about how you can heal conflict in relationships and reignite passion. And Amara shares her wisdom on how you can heal conflict, restore confidence in the relationship, reignite passion, and also keep passion alive in long-term relationships. And a few more goodies in the conversation as well. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, and welcome everybody to this episode. And I'm really delighted today to be joined by Amara Charles. Welcome, Amara. Hello, hello. Great to be here. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I'd love to start with you introducing yourself to anyone listening here to share a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Well, I am Amara Charles. And over about the last three decades or so, I have had the great privilege and fun honor of going all over and sharing about our spiritual sexuality and working with women and couples and and really elevating our whole experience and our whole perception of the beauty, the naturalness and the goodness of our sexuality. Hmm. Um, That's a little, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things, you know, I'm an author and and I I facilitate intimacy retreats and that sort of thing. Um, But that's in a nutshell, what I love to do. Beautiful. And how did you get into this work? I'd love to hear a bit of your journey. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, eons ago, a few eons ago, (laughs) I would say that I was really at the top of my game. I was in California and I was uh, in art school and I was in a great art school, uh, California Institute of the Arts. And I was really at the top of my game. And then fast forward, I graduated and I was working in Hollywood for MTV and so forth. And I was really at the top of my game. However, 
and on the intimate realm, I was a complete mess. I was, I was, you would, you could say I was like obsessed with work, right? And I was very, I'm very passionate. I still am, and and I was just totally into my work. So I, I, I wasn't paying attention to my intimate relationships. And to make a long story short, I had this whole string of crash and burns where there was commitment issues, I was ghosted, I ghosted other people, I wasn't committed, they were, and I just kept meeting these, I was basically very confused. I, I kept disconnecting and meeting people that, you know, uh, uh, didn't work. And I, I couldn't kept connect the dots between my, my sexuality and what was, what was showing up. And then I go from periods of like indulgence and having lots and then starving and scarcity and, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And the bottom line was that I was just really, really uncertain. And what changed for me was I made a decision, okay? And long ago, I, I started to realize, oh my gosh, there is this thing you could learn about. You could have an education about your sexuality, okay? So that process began and I, I had a coach and I had a mentor. And, and what happened was I made a decision because up until that point, what I realized was that my sexuality was all about for other people. It was other people's notions, other people's expectations, other people's ideas, but my pleasure, I mean, you know, it was just like, I was uh, half the time I was faking it and I just made a decision and I just said no more, okay. And so what I realized what I learned is that my sexuality is for me. It's not for everybody else. Okay, and that began this whole journey of really encoding because we get coded, right? Really deeply un, unencoding this, this nonsense that I grew up with that I think a lot of us still do and encoding new ways, new experiences, new beliefs. And so instead of going from these like ecstatic indulgences where I would wake up like sort of confused in what I'm doing, you know, I finally began to interact and meet and create a relationship. And now I've been in a relationship for over 18 years. So <laughs> it's working. And so the thing is, is that I always remember that I, I started in this spate of confusion. And now it's really about realizing that, and has always been that, that my sexuality is precious. It's fragile, it's precious, and it's for me. And so when I am full with fulfillment and pleasure and love, then that is what I can therefore build a relationship on. And that's what I can give to my, my beloved. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And so you mentioned, well, there's a few places I'd love to jump off with you on, on these, these areas. So I'd love to hear um, why people come to see you. Uh, at this time what sort of things do your clients present with to give people a sense of that wonderful question one of the the biggest areas is and and it's curious it's most couples most people don't come really off the top saying you know I have a problem with my sexuality uh, they don't lead and start with that it's usually things like we're fighting we're, we're having conflicts, we're having issues that I can't resolve. And therefore there's distance. Um, there's a lack of attraction or a lack of mojo. There's a lack of desire. There's a, a lack of interest, okay? Most of the time, 
people come to see me where in one area of their life, they might be okay, they might be doing very, very well. In the intimate realm, however, there are things that are causing them to slow down their, their hope, their careers or their families, okay? So starting with example, for example, uh, a really common one is, is, is conflicts, is arguments, is, is fights. And what I say is, you know, fights are a symptom. They're not the cause of why sex sexuality is not working. But they are a symptom, right? And so what I do, I, I have a whole program. In my program, I go through a whole area where I introduce what I call healthy fights. And I do believe that people can really have what I call healthy fights. And one of the, there's, there's like five different steps to, to doing this. But one of the most important things I'll talk about here is that in order to begin to heal with those irritations, those arguments, those disagreements and those fights that slowly and gradually chip away at the passion. One of the first place to start with is believing that you can heal and you can reach a place of agreement and alignment, okay? And so that's what I help people to understand is that it doesn't, you might've had a lot, a lot of fights, but it doesn't need to stay that way, okay? First and foremost, unhealthy fights, unhealthy conflicts, no matter how long it's been going on, they can be turned around and they can be healed. And what I do is I help people understand that first of all, that can be done. And then I show them how to do that. Mm, wow, that sounds amazing and such important and vital work. Incredible. And so, and do you feel that's possible in all cases, the majority, or what do you sense from the work that, that you have, the, the work, your experience? The vast majority. Yeah. Um, sometimes, I mean, you know, let's get real. Sometimes it's better to part. It's better yeah. to part ways. And I help people do that. I help people uh, resolve and, and come to healthy completion. Sometimes there are, are reasons and there's been a great deal of history which causes people to realize that they really are better off going down two distinct and different paths. But we can do that in a healthy way. Even that, we can come into a healthy conflict strategy, okay? Where you take care of the children, you take care of your uh, finances and so forth in a healthy way. I've helped many couples, you know, come to that place and then start new relationships on a healthy ground. Mm. And yeah. And what do you feel is key to that? I know it's a big area. We could probably have a, an hour or two conversation just about this. But I, I'm thinking there's going to be people listening who are maybe in relationships with a lot of fighting or have had patterns of relationships with a lot of fighting what do you feel or conflict is key for that to, to shift forward beyond the belief that it's possible? Right, well, it's hard to get to the belief that it's possible when you, know, you have this deluge of conflicts that's been going on. And I really, really understand this. At the same time, there are, there are three causes or what I call three pitfalls. It's, there's actually 10 areas I focus on in my program. I wanna talk about three. The first, number one is, is expectations. And I wanna tell a little, a little story about the power of expectations, okay? 
because they change our expectations of how we enter into like, let's say the next fight or the next engagement is going to predetermine the outcome. And what I mean by this is that our expectations are so, so powerful. For example, there was this, um, uh, this team of, of Harvard doctors, and I'm gonna cut through it the story real quick. So they, they went into this big hotel chain and they had all the service people and the maids and the service people and so forth. And they, this research team wanted to show the power of expectation. So they went in and showed, told them that basically, do you know that your work here, the making the beds the taking out the trash, showing and so on, cleaning windows, all that work is the equivalent. In fact, it's even superior to having the highest paid uh, fitness trainer on the planet. I mean, you know, the work that you do here is equivalent and in some cases superior to what you would get if you had a physical trainer. So they came back a month later and they tested their, their, their blood pressure, their heart rate, their sleep rate, their weight and so forth. Physiologically, 100% across the board, all of, they had improvements in every area, physiologically, okay? Just by telling them that their work was actually a workout. Uh, and so it affected them physio physiologically. My point is this, okay? So that when we enter and we have a conflict or a fight and we bring that to the table, our expectations are negative expectations. And those are very, very powerful. And so when we walk into a conflict or an area where we have negative expectations, that our, our brain is like a prediction machine and we're gonna predict the outcome. So we predict like, oh, it's gonna happen again. I'm gonna have a negative fight. Okay, let's flip that around. Expectations are super powerful. And why not create expectations to win, okay? Expectations that can actually change what appears to be like, wait a minute, we've been fighting for years. We can't just change that with an expectation, okay? That's having an expectation to lose again. What I work with people is I say, look, how about let's work together and let's create new expectations like, hey, this time is going to be different, okay? And this time is going, we're going to have a conversation where I can be heard. This time is going to be a little bit different. And that's how we, bit by bit, we gradually, we strengthen and we condition expectations that are gonna win. Number two is there's a second part to this, okay? We start off with developing and, and creating this expectation that, you know, I'm gonna be heard. I am going to feel supported here instead of the opposite, which is I'm gonna be overridden. I'm gonna be put down again, okay? So we work to create expectations and powerful beliefs. The second part of that is that understanding is that the, the reality that we have right now was created from yesterday's expectation and who we hang around with. So the second piece to this is, is to, to stop getting stuck by other, what I call other people's stories, OPS, other people's stories, okay? So we get caught into our own path. We have filters. We've 
grown up certain ways. You know about this, we've been conditioned, okay? So we bring our old stories to the table and guess what? You know, they start playing out again and again. So we gather proof and evidence that it's gonna stay stuck, that it's gonna be the same. We stay stuck in other people's stories, okay? So these are what I call, people are like dream stealers and, and they steal our dream, they steal our hope. And they, we surround ourselves with people that confirm our doubts. So now I know that it's hard sometimes when you know you have family members and you can't just you know, ditch your family members. There's certain people we gotta live around. However, there's always room. We can choose to elevate who we hang around. It's really, really important. So like listening to your podcast, for example, is an example of choosing to listen to a higher frequency, a frequency of hope, a frequency of trust, hang around as many people. And sometimes you can just, all you can do is listen to a better podcast that will change your frequency. It's really, really important. That's one of the first places where we resolve conflict is choose to hang around people that support your best qualities, like with what you do here. And then the third pitfall I would say is the mistake, the biggest mistake I see women make, I see couples make, is that we think there's time, okay? It's a huge, huge mistake, okay? And here's the thing, this is the thing. We think there's time, we think it's gonna change, we think it's gonna work itself out, all right? And what I like to get in touch with is the power of our urgency, the power of waking up in, 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 in hope. We do not need to go it alone. The most powerful expectation that we can have is that even if I'm in trouble, a really powerful belief, a really powerful expectation is this. It doesn't need to stay this way. It does not need to stay this way, okay? And the cool thing is, is that what I work with people in is, is I'm gonna, I, wanna, I am so excited to talk to you about like the trinity of power of how people can lift themselves from struggle and loneliness and conflict and pain. And what does it take to really lift out of that and get stronger and get more confident and you know, get your mojo, get your sexiness back, get yourself back, okay? And, and, and so the thing of that pitfall, that mistake of thinking there's time, like I like to get in touch with that urgency of like, you know, we don't, we're not guaranteed Time. We're not guaranteed that there's going to be another day. So like make, the, make a decision, make a decision that I'm, I'm going to shift. Even if I don't know how, I'm going to change my life. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you've had, have I had many people come just with that, having had years of just thinking we'll sort it this year or we'll hope it will shift this year and it doesn't. So I really love that helping people get in touch with that and the possibility of that and the pitfalls that you shared. So I'd love to hear about the Trinity of Power. Tell us all about it. Oh, cool. Okay, well, this is my favorite, favorite thing because really the bottom line of all of this is I am certain because you know, I'm, I'm familiar with your work too. Sarah, and I, I know that the bottom line is what, what I call shifting our identity. And I, you know, I love talking about this. I love what does it take to really change, to really shift our identity and to hold it and to manifest a new reality because we're both, we both know that if we keep the same territory, we keep the same friends, we keep the same beliefs, we keep the same behavior, 
behaviors and, and strategy, um, we're gonna manifest more of the same, all right? So when, we, when people come to us, of course, we know they, they, want, they wanna get out of being stuck. They wanna change their reality. What I found, and it's really interesting, I go very deeply into this in my program and it's my favorite foundational piece. And I call it the Trinity of power because number one, when we cultivate this identity that is certain, the first pillar of power is certainty, okay? And I know that's exactly the same thing that when people come to see us, that's exactly what they're not. They're wobbling all over the place. They don't know what they want. They're in pain, they're struggling, and they don't know how to fix what's missing. And they don't even know what's missing half the time, okay? And so what we do is we step into and we cultivate certainty. The good news, the great news is that certainty can be claimed. It can be trained, okay? And for example, okay, the certainty, for example, that instead of saying, um, you know, sex is always confusing or is disappointing or sex and intimacy and love, it's just always gotten me into trouble. We can flip that on its head and we can cultivate and we can condition the belief, the understanding that in reality, sex is natural. Of course it is. We get back in touch with that part of ourselves. Like I love sex. Like the sex feels great. When it's great, it's great. I know when it's not, it's not. But, you know, we're cultivating that certainty. Like, yeah, I really love what being intimate gives me. So we, we might not be certain about how to get it, but what we can have is certainty that somehow we want to find a way. I am certain I want to find a way to be intimate, okay? When I have that string and that spate of, 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 of you know, being ghosted and leaving myself and being left, I got really clear. I just said, enough. I do not want this pain. I didn't know how to get out of it. But I said, I made a decision. I said, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna find a way. That's what I'm talking about, certainty. And you gotta, it comes with the, the curiosity. Okay, then how am I gonna do that, all right? So this is all founded on the, the undercurrent is having curiosity, okay? If you're stuck, it's true, you don't know how, all right? But we can always have curiosity. Okay, well then, how am I gonna find a way? Number two. The second pillar in the trinity of power is called care. Now there's, you know, there's lots of stuff out there about, you know, having self-care and taking care of yourself. And it's true. And it's a huge component. You know, we say we, we, we got to fall in love with ourselves again. Okay. And, you know, just the other day I had this, this woman that was like, she, she couldn't like open herself to the possibility of entering into a healthy relationship. She just got into a string of unhealthy, you know, even, even uh, emotionally abusive relationships. She had a, a string of them, all right? And, and so she was just really, really convinced that she had to pull out of the game of, of pull herself out and stop everything and, and take care of herself and, and, and not get into any, any relationship. And while there's some truth to that, it's like, I understand you gotta pull back and you, 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 you gotta you know, take care of yourself because you've been hurt. I understand that. Okay. And at the same time, like my invitation is to like, okay, get curious again, to, to allow yourself to 
discover and explore and just crack that door open instead of going into like a total shutdown that can last for weeks or months, in some cases years, right? is just open the door a little bit and, and open the door and get curious and ask questions of like, okay, what, how, how could I explore? How could I be a little bit more open? And this is the place where I like to introduce one of the ways to get curious is like, if you're stuck and you're having the same distance or the same troubles in your relationship, chances are, it's not only you're not caring for yourself, but you're also, there's some care missing in your relationship, okay? So this is where one of the, one of the places I like to introduce the whole idea that we actually have different styles, different types as a lover, okay? And this goes way beyond the, you know, what is it, the, um, you know, the, the, the five agreements or no, what was the other one? The, the five lovers type. Uh, what I introduced is called the, in, the Eros lovers type, where we take a look at how we are as a lover and what type of lover are we, okay? And I'd love to go into that a little bit here. Please. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm just really, really excited because there is a quiz that people can take. And here's here, like a, a, a woman this week, she called me and, she realized she found out that she was a water lover and that her husband is an earth lover, okay? So first of all, you could be a water, wind, earth, or fire lover. And the thing is, is that each of these different styles likes different things. And the biggest mistake I see people make when they lose that care inside of a relationship is that we think we know our partner. We think we know what they want. We don't realize that at their core, there may be like a significant difference in what relaxes them and what opens them to love. So for example, a water lover, in order to open and relax and to allow a water lover to be open for love, what a water lover needs is they need to have emotional safety, okay? And so, for them, if you go and you start talking to them or you start touching them, that's actually a turnoff. See, this woman came to me and she said, you know, my, my partner, and I know this is, you know, real common, just, he just always wants to get into, you know, the act of sex right away, all right? And it's not just a man and a woman thing, okay? What she needed as a water lover is she needed care. She needed sensitivity. She likes the flowers, the romance, the water lovers like the prelude to be caring because what really needs to happen for a water lover is they need to open their heart. They need to feel safe. Okay. So now we all need this. We all have water, wind, earth, and fire, but for a water lover, it is absolutely essential. Okay. They're going to shut down unless they feel trust, unless they feel secure, unless they feel safe. And the things that make them feel safe are different. It might be dancing or, you know, music, or it might be, you know, it, it's got to have a tenderness. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so like, let's take a look at her partner, her husband. Well, he was an earth lover and he had gone through like dozens and probably hundreds of rejections where, you know, he really, really needs that physical connection. He needs touch. Now we all as human beings need 
touch, but for an earth lover, the door open, the key that opens the door to his heart is touched. So you can see how the signals can get crossed, okay? But what if she understands, his partner understands, oh, he's an earth lover. He needs that, that touch. Okay, so maybe there's a, there's a, there's a negotiation, you know, there's a coming of, of, I need my heart to be open, but he needs touch. So maybe she just touches him gently and that just immediately relaxes him. There is a physical connection, all right? And then he realizes, oh, she needs safety, security. She needs her heart to flow. She's a water lover. And so then he gives her, you know, could be gestures, could be words of kindness to make her feel safe and make her feel secure. And it's extraordinary. These little differences are what cuts through the conflict and the fights, okay? Because what's perpetuating the conflict at distance, the shutdown and the fights of these signals are getting caught. But when we understand what type of lover we are, um, we can begin to open the door, not just for ourselves, but also understand what our partner needs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's wonderful. And so could you share a little bit about um, fire and air lovers? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, first of all, okay, so we've got water, we've got earth right now. And next we'll talk uh, about wind. What is wind? Wind it blows around the planet, right? And it, 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 it just goes in different directions all, all of the time. The wind is connected with our mind. So like the wind can go over to England where you are and so can our mind. The minute I think about you, my, my wind, my mind is right there. So it's very expansive. Wind lovers are very intense, just like a gust of wind, all right? They are mental, they like ideas, they like what opens their heart is like a, the best thing you could do is give a, a, a wind lover to, to make, help them be ready for intimacy is to have a great conversation and, and, and to you know maybe have a fantasy, uh, a compelling idea. And wind lovers, they like to have a sense of purpose, okay? So for them, they're gonna be in a relationship because you're doing stuff together and you have a, you know, you have a meaning, you have a thing you wanna do or create a project or a purpose in the world, all right? So wind lovers are activated and, and turned on by the mind. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So if you go in, if you go with a wind lover and you know you try all this romantic sweetness, I mean, you know, it's nice and stuff, but it doesn't really do the do the thing. <laughs> wind lovers, but if they're gonna be with somebody, they need to have mental stimulation, okay, to to arouse and awaken. All right. So what's a fire lover? A fire lover is turned on by energy. So what do I mean by that? Okay. So the energy is like the charisma, the excitement, okay? And the allure, I call fire lovers. They are the seductive fire lovers. They like the chase, the cat and mouse, okay? And so when the, they can be like a bright flame or they can be like a warm coal, they are turned on by the, the invisible things, the spiritual union. They long for a higher level of love. They long for this inner union, this almost, almost invisible, this, this energy. It's hard, it's, 
it's hard to articulate because they are really turned on by the energy of the dance of love, okay? Mm -hmm. And so what they are very um, seductive, they are very sparky, they are, they like to learn, they like to grow, they like to create like this, this love den, this space, this for the magical qualities to come into love, all right? And so fire lovers are expansive, they're creative, they're passionate, and sometimes you can actually be like a fire lover, but you, your passion has been on such a low pilot that you know you, it's hard to get in touch with that, all right? So what, what happens is that when you learn your natural lover's type and you go, oh, I'm actually a wind lover, okay? Then you, you, you can learn to amplify that quality. When you learn that you're a water lover or an earth lover or a fire lover, you get to appreciate like, ah, yes, that's what I like. And then you can learn to ask for more of what you like because you're learning to accept yourself. Does all that make sense? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I love these frameworks and I'll put the quiz link in the show notes and I look oh, forward to doing it with my partner. And these are just, you know, it's just such a great way for people to explore uh, seeing themselves through. And like you shared so beautifully, often we do to the other what we want for ourselves or we make assumptions about what the other likes. And these just really help, you know, to... Um, see the different qualities and the way we, we we flow what lights us up so yeah no it sounds fantastic thank you so much for sharing i'm just curious just from the description alone okay what would you pick before even doing the quiz ah oh i, I can see little i, I definitely i can see bits of water <laughs> fire and earth in me probably water or fire Cool. Um, so yeah, so I'll see, I'll see what, I'll let you know what the quiz comes back. Oh, right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's really fantastic. I've just, I've just been so excited because I've been doing this now. I, I, I discovered this by, I was traveling around and I all over the world and I, and presenting to so many people. And what I discovered was that, um, you know, people, couples that even loved each other for a long time, um, they were missing these things. Because like you said, they were just making these assumptions that they thought they knew what their partner liked because they'd been together, but they really didn't know what really turned them on and what really turned them off, okay? And so getting real and, and being honest about these things in a fun way, you know, like a like, like a quiz where, you know, you're not battling over these things. You're getting curious. You're discovering these things. Yeah. That's, that's what I found is really, really useful. Absolutely. Then you're both explorers together and learners together and adventurers together. So yeah, absolutely. And I see this with couples where they, I think that there's a lot of fear about if we open this up and I really find out what my partner likes, it will be something that just could be too much to discover or, you know, and actually these tools just open up the, these, these places in the relationships in such beautiful ways, like you say, with curiosity, with discovery and just, yeah, so it's gorgeous. Thank you for sharing. And I want to come back to the Trinity of power because you've left me hanging with what the third uh -huh. area is. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to pick that up, the third pillar. Okay. There's the hidden pillar, which is the fourth. Um, the, the, Third pillar is what I call compassion, right? Mm. Is conditioning compassion inside of your relationship. 
because you know those fears that you just mentioned they're they're there all the time the fear that like oh my god well what if i find out that that my partner is this and i can't give that and i've I, you know i've already tried to do that and it didn't work and, and so this is where compassion comes in it's the absolute third pillar because without all three of these pillars of course you know the the the, the trinity cannot stand so the first way that this pillar of compassion is condition is brought back into the relationship is of course compassion with yourself okay and i'm sure you talk a great deal about this in the work that you do because it's the biggest elephant there is in the whole room which is forgiveness okay and and forgiving and healing things that have happened in the past i have never met any couple ever that hasn't had things transgressions mistakes these pitfalls and all of this and and what happens is the couples don't know how i mean they say i'm sorry they 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 put a bandaid on it over the surface and they hope that it goes away but really compassion has to go much much deeper okay. and so one of the ways that that we come to this deeper place of of real forgiveness of real compassion for yourself and for your partner it first has to come for yourself is, is, is to just, you know, ask is to get curious, that hidden pillar in the center is to get curious and to say, if you're, if you're having a lot of trouble, ask yourself some powerful questions. Like um, not only like, what do I really want? Because sometimes we don't know. All right. So one question I find helpful to get clear about what you want and to get clear and certain about what you want in this relationship is to ask yourself the question, how are my relationships supporting me? How are your relationships supporting you? And to just pull back the lens a little bit and say, hold on, wait a minute. How are my, how are my relationships supporting me? And you, you, this cultivates compassion because you realize, oh my gosh, you know, my relationships supporting me um, to have company, my relationships are, Sure, there's parts parts that are, don't feel good, but how are my relationships supporting me? Not only with just my partner, but with my friends, with, with others that care for me. How are relationships supporting me? That's, this is like the road back to healing, the road back to, to healing transgression, okay? And then how are my relationships serving me? And if I have an intimate partner, how is, look at all the ways that my relationship is serving me, okay? Because we all have little pockets where we point out, I don't like this and I don't like that and I'm sick of that, I'm frustrated with this. That's where we're putting our focus. But if you switch your lens, you switch your binoculars and you say, let me focus on how this relationship is serving me. Oh, well, okay, I actually have support here and I have support there and I have support here, all right? And then look at the bigger picture and say, how is this relationship supporting something bigger than myself? How is this relationship like actually supporting a bigger dream? And that is one of the ways that we come back with this curiosity. This is one of the ways that we heal transgressions in places that have been hurt. And we say like, all right, let me get curious. Like, what are the, the little nuggets that are working and how can I make those stronger, okay? 
And like we said in the beginning, it's not always possible. It's not 100% possible. But if you are going to repair trust, if you are going to heal the past, if you focus on the past, you are going to perpetuate and predict more of that. The biggest decision you got to make is to change your focus, to ask yourself and get in touch with, what do I want? Do I want to heal this relationship? Do I want to restore this intimacy? Do I want to get closer again? I understand that it's hard. I understand that you don't know how, but first you got to make a decision. Do I want this? And if you do, then the next step is, you know, to find a coach, to find a mentor, to get some help and, and, and to don't try to pretend that you can go it alone. Okay. Reach out for help and get your, get yourself help to hold up these pillars of certainty, care, compassion. And then the hidden pillar is to remain and stay curious. How can I find a better way? Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for explaining that. So um, clearly as well, there's some really fabulous uh, nuggets there for people to reflect on and to ponder, but also to work with, you know, just that shift in focus. I think so many of us, me included, need reminding <laughs> coming back to that, how what's possible. So um, I would love to hear, um, you, you know, you talked a, a lot about all these different um elements of of the trinity of power um we touched on the eros types and i know one of the things that you do is is help people to get back their passion which is always a real topic of interest so i'd really love to hear um and i i, I can totally see the role the four lovers types play with that is for anyone listening who's in a long-term relationship or has that question people often ask me you know is it possible to have passion in a long-term relationship I'd love you to talk to that and also if it's if someone listening is not um, present right now what wisdom you'd shared for how that might be reignited and cultivated within the relationship <laughs> great well that is my favorite favorite topic of all okay because the thing is, is first of all, like I know that when the the history and the past and 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 there's this conviction that it's like it's just gone and it's like Amara, you don't understand my situation, you don't know my life. The thing is, I do, and I work with people all the time, and I'm not going to kid you, and I'm not going to say like, "Poof, piece of cake." All right, we have this. This, this myth that like, if the chemistry is there, it's there. If love is there, it's there. And if it's not, it's not. And it's gone, it's gone. And if the fire's out, it's gone. And you can't like, you know, uh, reignite what's gone and what's missing, all right? My experience is this, is that if you are asking this question, if you're sitting there and you're going, is, is, it, is it even there? If you're even listening to this podcast, I guarantee you it's, reignitable. I guarantee you that it is there. Why? Because you are asking this question. There is a part of you that has a spark, a desire, a dream, and a hope. And the question I have for you, and the question I work with in, with all of my clients is like, would you rather just let it go and, and regret not having done every single thing in your power to get it back? Okay. And so if you want to go all in, number one, the decision of 
I don't know how to do it, but let's go in. I am in. The biggest thing is to make a commitment, is to say yes to your dream. And so the biggest thing that restores confidence is getting in touch with your own yes. The biggest loss of passion is that you've let your yes, that, you know, like that, that inside yes, like let's say you're on the cusp of an orgasm. Let's just go here for a sec. You know, you're getting, you're aroused, however this is being, and you're almost there, you're almost there, you're almost there, you're almost there. And there's this inside tiny little voice right there that says either, okay, I'm done. I can't. Okay. And you focus in that place of like, no, it's okay. Whatever. All right. And there's a, it's invisible. You don't, you don't do it consciously half the time, most of the time. There's this inner no, and you just let go, you give up. This is why I say the most important thing is to get in touch with that inner yes, because we've all been on that cusp where it could go one way or the other. We can say, okay, no, I'll just let it go. Or you can get, no, I'm going to make this, it's a yes, and I'm going to get in touch with a yes. And maybe you, you, you tap into another time where it was a yes and you did make it and you got over that edge and you, you went past the obstacle and you went past that challenge and you said, yes, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay with it. And yes, you have that orgasm. Okay. It's all about getting in touch with that inner yes. And we may not know how to do that, but this is the real question. Okay. And so when we have an argument, we have this point this crucial crossroads where we say, no, I'm going to walk away or no, I'm just going to hide or no, I'm just going to shut up or no, I'm going to just scream again, whatever our old pattern or old pattern, I'm just, I'm just, I, I give up, I'm going to go. Or we can get in touch with this like, yes, I am going to, to do something different. I am going to change something inside of myself. The number one way to reignite passion is to find and to get in touch with your internal yes. And hey, people always ask me, but is there a time to say no? Of course there is. It's both. Okay. There are times when you also get in touch with your no. No, I am not going to step into this, this, this trap again. No, I am not going to indulge this weakness again. I'm not going to step into that addiction again, into that pattern again. You betcha. There are times, you know, like I, I, I quit smoking. No, it was two years ago or three years, right in the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, you could say on the outside, well, that's, that's, a, that's a, the worst time you could because you're just by yourself and it's going to be just so easy. Oh, okay. it, it, it really came down to you. You could do, try all these external things, but the end of the day, it's an internal, I am saying yes to my life. I want to breathe. That was my yes. I want to be healthy. That was my yes. And my no was, no, I will not pick up another cigarette. That's it. I'm done. And it's been two years. Yay. And I'm saying, I feel fantastic. Okay. And that's why I say that maybe you can't control certain circumstances on the outside. It seems like, but where it starts and where you can shift and you can change any, and I do mean any external circumstance. You may not be able to change what seems to be going on the outside, but you can always change what's going on in here. You can always change 
what is going on internally and what's going on internally always affects your identity of how you show up externally. And that's, that's how you ignite passion. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. And any words of wisdom you'd love to share from being in a relationship for 18 years about keeping the passion alive, both from maybe your relationship, also your work from with your clients as well? Oh, God, well, I'll start with my clients and I'll complete with my, my own. Well, no, I got to, you know, like I'm just, I just wake up every single day in gratitude. The key to everything is to intentionally wake up in gratitude. And I created this little habit because we can all get stuck in old habits that are like funky and they take us and they pull us out of the game. Okay. We can instill and condition better habits. That's what it's really all about. Okay. So what keeps a relationship going and what keeps a relationship, what keeps my relationship going is not hormones because those change. Okay. We go through different phases. Um, it's not even preferences and likes because those change too. Everything in life changes. Okay. Cause like what I loved in my partner in the beginning, um, well, it's actually the same, but you know, some of those things are different, but what I saw in my beloved, my partner in the beginning was the aliveness, the energy. Okay. The, the, the ferocity of hope. Okay. And what, I mean, when I say waking up in gratitude, I have this little habit that I have trained myself. And this is something that we do together. And I'll give you two like tidbits of two things that we do together that has kept the passion stronger now than it was in the beginning. Okay. Forget about getting back about something. Forget about that. We don't want to go back to when we were 17. We want it to be stronger now. And is it different? You bet. I'm not, I'm not the same as I was 40 years ago and neither are you. It can be better, all right? And so the first habit I do is like before I open my eyes, the first, the very, very, very first thing I do is I say three words, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it turns into five and six and 10, thank you, thank you, thank you, okay? What I'm doing is I am immediately predetermining a state of gratitude, an emotional state of thank you. And I do it over and over. And the first thing I thank myself is I thank you so much that I have this beautiful beloved by my side. It's warm, it's lovable, it's cozy, and I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to have a beautiful being beside me, okay? And this is what is my supreme gratitude. Thank you, thank you. And then it turns into Thank you for the coffee. Thank you for the breakfast. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for my house. Thank you for this beautiful mattress. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for my dog. And it goes on. And so I start the day in absolute gratitude. This is non-negotiable, okay? And this is a training. I didn't always do this. This is what keeps fashion alive, all right? And the second thing is another uh, uh, Thing that I, I, I work and I talk to with all my clients, and I'm sure you have something similar to this. We have an agreement. That's a whole other topic. Like we have sexual agreements, but we have an agreement that no matter what, we will never go to sleep having a conflict or an argument. Okay. That is non-negotiable. No matter what happens, we must 
at least say, okay, we will talk about this tomorrow, but we're not, we're going to fall asleep without conflict. Okay. Because I'll just tell you really quick in the, in, in the, in the shamanic tradition, when we sleep together, we have 144 hours to one physical hour, meaning in the dream time, we spend 144 hours together in the dream time because time accelerates to one physical hours here on the hour here on the earthly plane. So what we're doing in our dream time together is very, very important. So to go to sleep on an argument, you're amplifying your conflict by 144 times. And that's why you wake up feeling drained. Okay. So it's really, really significant and really, really important to, to heal and to say, okay, we'll make up later, but like, can we agree to disagree on this and go to sleep in peace and in harmony? And those are two of the practices I do that I'm happy to say that after 18 years of being together, um, I, I'm happier and more in love now than I was in the beginning. And we have this saying, we say, I love you more. Because it's true, I had another day, so I love you more today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, me and my partner have it. It just keeps getting better and better. That's our little oh. phrase. <laughs> yeah, we all have these little phrases. I love that too. It just keeps getting better and better. And doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. I mean, you know, we, I really meant what I said earlier. You know, we're not guaranteed another day. Mm. And so like, it just keeps getting better and better and it shares every single day that we have. Even if there's troubles, that's okay. You know, I just want to leave your your listeners, your beautiful listeners with, you know, this hope that, that things really do not need to, to stay difficult, that they really can get better and better, as you say. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. And that is a beautiful way to, to leave, <laughs> leave listeners with that message. And if you've got time for one more question, I'd love to just ask you to just speak a little bit to the term spiritual, spiritual sexuality you mentioned at the beginning, um, <laughs> because I think there's so many different uh, views of what that is. So I'd love to hear your definition of what that is. <sighs> it's bottom line for me, it's the understanding that great spirit, if you think about it, great spirit gave us the ability to have an orgasm, the gift of an orgasm for two things, for two reasons. First, okay is to get back in touch with the source of who we really are. If you think about it, we were all born from an act of an egg and a seed coming together, okay? And then there was this whoosh, okay? And that more is the spiritual aspect, the invisible, the energy aspect of it, the invisible more, the unknown, the mystery that brings us together. So who knows what brings us together? But every single time we make love, no matter how grand, no matter how small or epic, when we come together and we join our energies together, something more is created. That is spiritual sexuality. And the second reason, so that every time we orgasm, it, it brings us in touch with where we came from, with, with who we truly are, okay? And then the second piece, which I spoke about, is that this sexuality is a gift, that it's natural, that it is healthy, and that it is a gift. And to live with this realm of the spiritual, it's absolutely not religious. It's not, it has nothing to do with religion. 
It's the fact that we have the consciousness, the awareness to treat life as a gift. That is what I call spiritual sexuality. That is what we can treasure. And having someone, we all want uh, you know, someone to share with, someone to share our lives with as, as a beloved. And even, you know, I've known a lot of single people and, and they also have this desire, maybe not just for one beloved, maybe they will have a sequence of beloved. I mean, things happen, our beloved dies and, and we can still be in spiritual union with the divine because the real love of life is spiritual sexuality. It's not actually with another person, okay? The divine comes through us. It is expressed through other people, through another person. But actually when it comes down to spiritual sexuality, comes down to being in love with life itself, being in love with ourselves, and then having the opportunity, the graciousness and the gift of being able to share this with someone else, even if <laughs> we're not perfect and they're not perfect and we can forgive all of that. Forgiveness is the most important power of being human, of being alive, okay? Because we're all going home and we're going to the same place. And that is what I mean by spiritual sexuality, of that desire and that longing to go home from the, to the source with which we started. Mm, beautiful, thank you. And, and I, Yes, go ahead. No, please, please go ahead. Well, I just, I, 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 maybe you were going to mention this, and I did. I'm really moved to give your viewers, your your listeners, a gift, and I would love to share that. And so, please. my name is Amara Charles. Um, so you can go to my website, amaracharles.com. And the gift I am moved to give is, I am offering a personal one-on-one -on -one session with me. And I call this a breakthrough session. And uh, it's a breakthrough session because what I do, it's an intimacy breakthrough session. So we take a look at what's going on, what's working for you in your intimate life, whether you're single or you're couple, what's working for you? And then of course, what's not working for you? And most importantly, what do you want? Where do you wanna go? And so what we do is we take a look at this and I show you, all right, this is where you wanna go. And then I show you, all right, these are the steps we can take to get there, okay? And so in this breakthrough call, it's about an hour and, and I'm offering this as my gift. You just go to amaracharles.com and you'll find the, the, the link to book a, just find a time that works for you and book a call with me. And I look forward to speaking with you personally. Mm, beautiful, thank you. Well, I'll share all of that in the show notes. And do you have your, uh, your website anywhere else that you're active online for people to yeah, find you? Know, you just type in Amara Charles and a bunch of things will come up. I mean, I have, I have Facebook groups and a page and so forth, but I think if you just type in amarcharles.com, um, it'll show you a, a variety of groups and you know, places where you, we can stay connected. Okay. Beautiful, fantastic. And I must mention your book as well, because I know this book's, what's it, was it maybe 2012, maybe? When did the book? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Mention my book because, um, oh my gosh, we have to meet again and maybe talk. About <laughs> but in, in case you don't know how to say it, it's called The Sexual Practices of Kodoshka. Okay. Yeah. And it talks about a lot of things that we've talked about here. 
yeah I highly recommend it it's a fantastic resource so I'll put that in the show notes as well so before we uh, just to finish with one final question you know um, any final wisdom you'd love to share to finish well what I like to say is that whenever we're having troubles and we're having obstacles and we can't find our way one of the reasons is because we're making our love really small and we're making something very finite and vast and boundless. We're making that and bringing it down and making our love or ourselves small. And so what I'd like to leave with is to really the whole thing about love is to make your love bigger, is to make your love so big and go beyond and through the stuck places to make your love so big that you connect with the divine. And so your love is so big that it can't get stuck anywhere. And when we have this power of love, which we know that it's the strongest thing, okay? That love will find a way through anything. And love is the power that brought us here in this physical body. And love is what will bring us home. Hmm. Beautiful. That's such a beautiful way to end. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your experience and your passion and your wisdom and your yeah just really feel your dedication to this path and um yeah just thank you so much for your generosity of your time today oh thank you so much and um thank you for doing this and it really takes um it takes a, a team of, of light warriors and it takes all of us and i love all the 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 people out there who are spreading this way of love, of intimacy, of kindness, of compassion, and all the things that we've spoken about here today. And so I really celebrate you, Sarah, really celebrate you and your work. And I thank you so much for creating this and taking the time. And I know that it takes a lot of work to do this. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's my passion. Absolutely. Wonderful. Wishing you a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.